Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. Gear up with your host, Captain Chris Bush, a trophy trout purist, leader and educator within the fishing community, as he talks about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the speckled truth. Hey everyone, what's up? Uh, Welcome back to another episode of the Speckled Truth Podcast. This week, I have a very special guest, Captain Kyle Johnson. Uh, Kyle, for those of you who don't know, is a pretty critical figure in Speckled Truth being a brand as well as a movement, Uh, but I don't want to steal too much of his thunder. KJ, what's up, brother? What's going on, Chris? How you doing, big dog? (laughs) Doing pretty good, man. How about you? Good, man. Thanks for joining us, man, and and, and obviously getting together. This has been a long time coming, right, bro? Yeah, definitely, man. I know it's, uh, you know, when we first started this thing, I mean, it went from just a simple blog and over the course of the time that we've kind of been involved with Speckled Truth, how much it's actually grown. And now the fact that we can call ourselves and, and actually have a podcast is actually pretty awesome, dude. So uh, none of this happens without you. And I, and I, I want our viewers to know that as well. But uh, I don't want to get too far into it because we're going to discuss a little bit more about that here as we go forward. Uh, but before we do, go ahead and tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm I'm Kyle Johnson, uh, married to Courtney now Johnson. Used to be Courtney Brown. Uh, we got two kids. We got a three year old and a four year old. And um, man, I'm just a family man, and I I, de- I devote a lot of my spare time to um, conserving the the fisheries and chartering. And now it seems like fishing for myself is kind of on the back burner, but but I'm okay with that. Yeah. And so, uh, again, for those who really don't know, Kyle is, he's gotten his Coast Guard captain's license. He's now started his own charter captain license there on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And that's where, so that's where you're from. Are you from there? Born and raised there? Born and raised in Gulfport. Um, After Hurricane Katrina, which, you know, anybody Mm -hmm. from the coast, that's a very monumental time in in your timeline living on the coast. Um, I actually, I, I did some I did some commercial construction. I helped rebuild the Bay Bridge, mm-hmm. uh, the Bay St. Louis Bridge. And then shortly after that, uh, I joined the Mississippi Army National Guard, where yeah. I started working full time as an avionics technician on UH-60 Blackhawks, uh, OH-58, which are no longer in service, 47 Chinooks. And I love it, man. I really do. But I'm just kind of ready for that next chapter in my life. Yeah. And it's like guiding is the, the, the what I want to do. It feels like uh, everything's been kind of pushing me towards that. And I've kind of been fighting it for a couple of years, honestly. But I've just kind of got past the fear yeah. of, of not having that guaranteed paycheck and, and realizing that <laughs> I have to I have to make my own paycheck. It's, it's all I'm holding myself accountable, I guess yeah. you could say. And so – I actually don't even know this, dude. How long have you actually been in the service? So I joined in 2009. So okay. in four months, it will be 11 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, dude, so as a dude who's in near 15 years, I know we talk about this a lot, man. And so, uh, you know, it, it is. It, it, the military and the government makes it very easy for you to live a comfortable life to some extent, right? And but yeah. on the same token is you're obviously at the whim of 
really whatever is going on. And and unlike me, you're really more at the whim of the governor, right? As a as a guardsman. Yeah, and and it's it's changed a lot. Um, the the National Guard, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it, it's not really what it was intended to be. So. Mm-hmm. When I first joined and, and, and when I first started signing up and looking into it, because you know as well as anybody, I'm one of those guys that does way too much research before <laughs> doing anything. I don't jump into anything. So yeah. um, I was kind of the understanding that, you know, we, the National Guard helped with, you know, national emergencies, hurricanes and things like that. And uh, man, it's really shifted a lot. We, uh, we, we support active duty. And so we relieve them overseas. So, you know, my unit, when I first got in, which deploying wasn't, you know, when I joined, I was like, okay, I'm going to deploy. I know that's going to happen. So I mentally prepared myself for that, which I haven't had to yet, which is crazy, you know, 10 years and I haven't deployed just luck of the draw, I guess. But, um, you know, our unit deploys every three years now. So it's almost like active duty. I know active duty deploys a lot more. I'm not taking anything away from them. Sure. But I feel like the guard has, has really changed a lot since, since I got in. And it's not really everything I kind of thought it was going to be, I guess you could say. Yeah. Well, I definitely know what you're talking about, especially from a deployment side. Yeah, we, we do deploy. I've deployed a couple of times myself and most recently in 15 and, and there's definitely a sacrifice, man. And so, but I know we've talked uh, ad nauseum, dude, about, you know, being in the military and everything else and and that being a a cornerstone of our life and what we do. And so you've, I kind of tell, I talk to you about this all the time, man. And that is you're taking the the leap of faith that I, I think maybe I'm probably too scared to do, man. And so, but knowing you and, and knowing you for some time now and the amount of passion you have for the fishery, not only that, but then the amount of passion you have for serving people, that I think from your military service transcends so perfectly, dude, to what you're getting ready to encounter with your charter business. And I have no doubt, dude, you'll be incredibly successful. But I, I wanted to ask you, dude, so like when... I don't know. I mean, growing up fishing on a coast, was there a moment, maybe it was recently, maybe it was really, really young in your life that you were like, you know what, dude, I want to fish for the rest of my life. Like I wanted to make that my livelihood. Was there a certain moment that um, stood out to you that, that, that happened? There's no, there's no really defining moment um, of that. I just, you know, we're, we're, something draws us to the water. Everybody, it doesn't matter who you are, even if you've never been out on the water, you have some underlining, like subconscious thing telling (laughs) you to get out on the water and uh, you start feeding that and it it starts making you think differently. And, you know, I've thought about guiding full time um, before. I, I would say it was probably back in like 2015, 2016. I really kicked around the idea a little bit. And I think we're going to get into this more a little bit later in the conversation. Mm -hmm. But when my mindset changed as a fisherman, um, it it made me realize that guiding actually is something that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But when I first started kicking around the idea, uh, and you know I do this, man, I, I write down pros and cons. I have to physically see 
pros and cons on a piece of paper before I make a, a very important decision. Even sometimes not even really that important decisions like arguing with your wife or something like that. You know, I got <laughs> I got to write down some pros and cons and, and kind of see it. And uh, that just, you know, I, I, there was a lot more cons back then. And then, um, you know, as well as a, a lot of my close friends, um, the past couple years, I've just been doing lots of research, you know, market research and talking to other guides and talking to people, potential clients yeah. and things and, and, and figuring out if, if my plan of how I'm going to guide is going to work. And I hope it, I mean, it's worked so far this summer, yeah. you know, I've had to work full time and do it, but it, it's worked great. I've loved it. And, and I know I'm, I'm just getting started just tip of the iceberg yeah i mean you know you know i know guys that have been doing it for 20 years and 30 years even longer than i've been alive and yeah and and i will take advice of course i always ask these guys for advice and and their take on things but you know I'm, i'm doing things a little bit differently because um that's what drew me into making this decision and this mm-hmm. career change and, and and leaving a a very lucrative cush government job <laughs> to be out in the sun and heat and, and working my ass off every day. Yeah, honestly. no, sure. Yeah. I'm with you, brother. Well, it, it's funny because like, you know, listen to you talk in, in the defining moment or, you know, again, kind of shifting the mindset. I chartered when I actually lived back in a, well, let me rephrase that. I, I chartered and then when I moved back to Mississippi Gulf Coast, uh, I then reestablished the, the charter business, Southern Salt Charters, out of uh, really yeah. Port Salt for Louisiana, just doing really sight fishing charters. Um, and I really enjoyed it, man. I really enjoyed the people that you meet. Uh, but I will say this, though, man, and, and I don't particularly – I didn't particularly care for the day-in, day-out grind of that as more mm-hmm. so – and this is maybe my infatuation with fishing in general, and that's why I love targeting big trout – because that wasn't what I wanted to do. Like I was sight fishing redfish and you know, as well as anybody, man, I hate freaking redfish. And so the <laughs> last thing I want do when we fished me and Brandon Treadway, my, my tournament fishing partner, when we fished the IFA redfish tour and, and the HT three and the GCCA and all these different tournament trails, when we would pre fish, dude, we'd have to go catch a limited trout or at least go trout fishing before you went sight fishing. And so that's how kind of involved, but, it's awesome to hear you kind of, hey, you know what? I'm making this conscious decision. It's it's kind of in my business pr- profile, if you will, to cater to, you know, certain clientele and then, and then bring that experience to these people, man. And, and I tell you, it's not for everyone. And, and I definitely see that it is for you, brother. And, and you're doing a hell of a job, an amazing job thus far. So um, first off, what while well, we have it, right, because it's our podcast, but What's the name of your charter company, man? It's Coastal Waters Outfitters. Coastal Waters Outfitters on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Um, and then you all over the Gulf Coast, man, all sorts of stuff. So, but I want to talk, uh, if you don't mind, brother, I like to transition a little bit here uh, just because the reason you're here and, and on the podcast is because we are. Or for them, for lack of better terms, man, speckle truth, dude. You know what I'm saying? And like, I know Edwards, yeah. <laughs> Edwards with yeah. us, and Ed Crum, and and uh, Keith Morrison, and it, we have our little group. But on, on the same token, is man, you're you're like the OG, man. 
with with <laughs> us. So, uh, to, obviously, I know, but you know, we we met in a pretty different, I guess, way. And so, the inshore fishing community is very very small on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. For those of you that don't know, and so I was posting a lot on I think what bull nettle, and yep. I saw you come across there, and all of a sudden, kind of one thing led to two. And then uh, I didn't really know a whole lot about you. So um, I don't know what your thoughts were there. So, you know, back when you and and Kyle Perry lived here yeah. and y'all were doing y'all's thing on the bull nettle. And uh, I, I really hope Sam Davis listens to this because I love Sam. Yeah. But he's going to he's going to agree 100 <laughs> percent. But that was like the height of the bull nettle for me. You know, yeah. I know the bull nettle's probably been around longer than when when I was looking. But going back to what I said earlier, you know, I do more research than I do like actually doing something. I know that, you know, when it comes to fishing, you have to get out there and you have to put out your time, put in your time. But also, you know, sometimes instead of sitting around and playing on Facebook and looking at all the people who have caught fish, actually going back and and reading things and and learning things and being open-minded and, I remember you and Kyle Perry posting all that stuff and doing your videos and, and all that. And it was just awesome, dude. And I loved it. And then you started, you started the speckle. I remember the speckled truth and man, I wish I had a screenshot. I hope you do, but I remember your website and it was like doo-doo brown background. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was white lettering with a doo-doo brown background. And I was like, what in the world? But dude, the content was so legit. It was like nothing, you know, there, there was nothing else out there that I could find that was like specifically talking about big trout. Yeah. And um, I'm kind of going a little more in depth to this question than I should, but I kind of feel like I have to, 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 this is how we met. So, you know, I, I was raised by a very good trout fisherman. He's my stepdad, Mike Anderson, but I mean, he's my dad. You know, yeah. he raised me. That's my right. dad. So, um, and he actually started backwards, dude. It, it wasn't, you know, a live shrimp under a popping cork. It was a mirror lure seven M, uh-huh. you know? Yep. And so I kind of learned backwards. Like actually the past couple years I've had to learn like, you know, not that it's hard, but you know, it's easy to say, you know how to do something until you actually do it. You have to actually do it to like know about it. So you know, I had like the first couple of years, I didn't even really live bait. It, yeah. it was all, it was all mirror lures. Cause that's what he used. Cause that's how he caught the trout that he wanted to caught now to catch. Now he did target big trout, but it was more, uh, uh, it was more keepers and it was more numbers and it wasn't, it wasn't for the meat hauls. You know, my dad's a very, very smart dude. He's, he's a veterinarian. You know, I'm going to sit here and say he's the best in the Southeast. You uh-huh. know, I mean, he's a great veterinarian, very smart guy. And I think he loves fishing the, the same reason I do. And it's not because he passed it on to me. It's just because how we are. But it, it's the challenge, dude. It, it's mm-hmm. the challenge of of getting that fish on on artificial. And so, you know, I was, I was raised about numbers. And that's how a lot of guys are raised fishing. It, it, you know, you hear me say it, it is numbers fishing, numbers guys. And and it's it's not talking down to anybody. There's just there's there's different types of fishermen, yeah. different types of trout fishermen. And there's guys that go for numbers and there's guys that go for trophies and big trout. Yeah. And it's you can do both. I mean, I do both sometimes. I don't really go for numbers now to, to keep them. I throw them back or I tag them. 
but you know, doing that for, for so long and you, you did it too. You grew up oh, doing it, you know, going out there and, and, and everybody starts out that way because that's how you, that's how we were all raised like our generation. And it was, it was raised about numbers. So when I started, I wouldn't say I was getting bored with numbers, but trout fishing, yes, it, it, it is complicated, but the Mississippi coast it's a very unique place and and it's, it's, it's not as big as a fishery as say Louisiana or Florida or anything. So South Carolina, even man, I mean, I fish there. There's it's, I mean, dude, Mississippi is a postage stamp compared to the majority of the fisheries other than what Alabama. uh, Yeah. So so when you really get hardcore into it and you're spending all your time, you know, especially when you don't have kids, like, you know, and, and you're, you're spending all your time fishing and, and that's all you're doing. And you, it's not that hard to get on top of them. And once you get on top of them and you figure out the pattern and if you write it down, they, they do the same thing yeah. almost every year. And it's, it, it might be like a week out or something like that because of some sort of weather change or sure. something like that. But if you want to really go for numbers, you know, you, you start a fish log and you start writing down the tide and all that. And and back then I didn't know, you know, to, to keep up with the moon more, but I just wrote down, you know, the tide that day and the number of fish caught because it's a numbers game when you're, when you're in that mindset. And, you know, it, dude, honestly, it just kind of got old. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, I'm, I'm going out, I'm catching these fish and I'm, I'm getting my limit because that's what you're going out there to do. And it's just kind of like, uh, all right, what next? Let me you ask know? you this. Do you remember the first big trout you caught? The first big trout? Yes. Well, you remember this because it wasn't my first big trout, uh-huh. but my my first five pound trout because that was kind of my benchmark. Like, I, I knew... You know, a three and, and four pounder was was a big fish, mm-hmm. and um, I, I just I, I couldn't get past that five pound thing. And that's when me and you that's where I was getting at. That's where me and you started talking more because yep. I set a goal with myself, and and I'd missed a lot of big trout, and I'd caught you know I don't even know how many, and I was like, okay, I want to set a goal for myself, and I want to catch a five pound trout just because I haven't. You know, a lot yep. of my friends had, and I hadn't caught one, and so you know it's a very famous place here and it's Gulfport Harbor and it's, it'll, it'll break your heart and it'll make dreams come true all on the same trip. And, uh, there's a lot of big trout that get caught there. So I live, I don't live far from Gulfport Harbor. And so I just started fishing it every day, every day, dude, I would get up before work. Even if I could only fish for two hours out of a 14 foot skiff, no matter what the wind was doing, you know, safely. And I would fish it every morning trying to figure that place out. And still, to this day, it's a very complicated place. It really is. Like all the, sometimes all the rules apply there, like the moon and, and yep. the wind and the and the, the tide and the uh, the bait yeah. and all of that. And then other times, you just go there at two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> and you're catching six and seven pounders. It's, it's crazy. Yep. It's, it's insane. So. I was, I was out there and I was fishing and I, I know you remember this because me and you had just been talking and I was throwing, a, I was throwing a lot of topwaters, a lot of she dogs about to say, yeah. and that's all I was doing, man. I was throwing big mm-hmm. topwaters and, and this is what kind of started me as like, 
big bait, big fish. I, I still, I still stick to that. You know, I throw a lot mm-hmm. of really yep. obnoxiously big baits <laughs> yep. for fish, but, um, I was just like, I'm just going to throw this because I know this is what catches big fish. And I know there's big fish here. And I kept getting these just monster blow ups and I kept losing these massive fish. And I, and I started messaging you and I was like, dude, I don't, I don't get it, man. I, I keep losing all these big fish. Like this is something's gotta be wrong. And, and you asked me, you were like, well, what, what kind of rod are you using? And I was like, well, I'm using a medium heavy. Every time I use mirror lures, uh, I use a medium heavy, yeah. which I still do when it comes to suspending twitch baits and things like that. I feel like you get more of that jerk because it's all about that jet quick jerk with mm-hmm. the wrist. So I was using medium heavies and you're like, Oh no, dude, no, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta step it down. Like yeah. that's, that's, that's what's happening. That's why you're losing them. And I was like, you really think so? And you were like, yeah, definitely. Like you knew you, you, you knew that's what it was. So that afternoon we had talked and, and I was, I got up that morning and I, I put, I think I had like a seven foot medium rod and I put that, uh, that he dog on there. I said she dog earlier. I was going to, I was going to correct you dude. Cause yeah, I knew it was a yeah. he dog. Yep. Yeah. So I put that he dog on there and, and I get out there and, um, the bite had been right at, um, right at daylight and I was getting these massive blow ups, but I never really got like the really, you know, good bite, mm-hmm. like multiple blow ups in a row. So I get out there and nobody's out there. And I want to say it was uh February, January. No, it was January. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I get out there and it's not that cold and, and the sun's coming up and I'm throwing and I'm throwing and you know, nothing, no bites, no nothing. And I'm like, well, you know, there goes my window and I got to go to work. And I was just like, man, screw it. I'm just going to fish here for a couple hours. You know, I'll call in and come in late. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so, uh, uh, God, man, somebody from work's going to listen oh, to yeah. me out some shit, but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm sitting there and I'm fishing and, and I start seeing mullet getting chased and I see the nervous water and I'm like, I'm like, that's gotta be, that's gotta be trout. Can't be red. So I throw over there. And then boom, four pound trout. And I get it in and I'm like, damn, that's a nice trout. Mm-hmm. Throw them back, throw it out there. Boom, four and a half pound trout. And this is like throw after throw. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm getting all giddy and stuff. And I'm like, there's gotta be a big one in here. Throw it back out there. And I think it was another four and a half pound trout and then throw it back out there. And then it was a three pound trout. And I was like, oh great. They're getting smaller. So, you know, I had those, those, three you know to me big trout in a row and and i'm just like hell yeah like you know (laughs) i'm on fire and 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 so i keep throwing it out there and um, i'm getting these blow-ups i'm getting some small blow-ups and what i would do is if i got a small blow-up i would just kind of get it out of there because i was like you know in my Mm -hmm. head i was like okay there's not a big fish over there and the area i was fishing i throw it just right up on these rocks and what I would do, and I hope we get to this later when we fish with Mike McBride, but what I would do is I, w- I slow rolled that he dog, dude. I mean, the, the cadence was just like, it wasn't like crazy slow, but it would it would just make that lure just chug. It would just chug, yeah. chug, chug, chug. And I think when you, when you do it at a certain speed, that it chugs and then when it's sitting there, yep. you, you know, that high pitch is just kind of rattling too. Mm-hmm. So I think you get the best of both worlds when you work it that way. 
And man, I'm just sitting there just chugging that thing slow, slow, slow. And I just stop. And then that fish hit. And it's just, I, I could have sworn it was a damn redfish. Yeah. And I, I was getting so mad because it, it nailed it and it stayed down the entire time. It stayed down and just dug. And I was mm-hmm. in shallow water. And once I got it out to the deeper water, you know, I was on a little drop off that yep. goes about seven or eight feet. It just stayed down and it was just peeling drag. And I was like, ah, oh, it's a stupid ass redfish. And so I, I get it up and then I see it and I was just like, you know, start freaking out. My heart starts racing. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, this is it. And so I get it and I, and I, and I get them in the net and I throw them on the deck. And before I even weighed it, I put, you know, I was wearing these uh, size 12, size 12 and a half Wolverine work boots. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I put it next to that boot and I take a picture and I send it to you. That was the first thing I yep. did. Yep. You were like, holy shit. Yeah, I was like, I think this is the one. And then after that, I, uh, I weighed it and it was over five. I don't, I, honestly, man, I don't remember the exact. It was like five, five something. <laughs> And it was over five pounds and, and that feeling and that reward. And I told you, you know, I'd been going there every morning for something crazy. It was like a week or two straight yep. every morning. And dude, that reward was just like, so it, it changed me. It, 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 it changed the way that I fished, not only for trout, but for everything. It, it, it changed me. Oh my God, dude. And, and I'm so glad you touched on that because that is the one thing in big trout fishing, and I'm talking big trout, so let's say five plus or bigger, right? And then so that you just cannot describe to people. So I always ask the question, right? I wrote that blog, one or 100. And it's funny to see people like, oh, I'll catch 100 dinks over one 10-pound trout any day. You know, it's nah. they eat better and everything. I'm like, that's because, dude, what? you have never held a big fish. Because when you do, I guarantee you, you will not want to do anything else. And yeah. Dario, I fished with my buddy here, never caught a fish over, I think it was like five and a half pounds. And we had gone a couple times and then finally he ended up sticking at 28 and he's always been a redfish guy and everything else. And now he is just completely ate up with the big trout bug because when he landed that big trout in the same situation, he thought it was a redfish, pulling drag, super stoked. And he was like, oh no. And as, as that fish came up, shook one more time, I mean, knees went weak. I mean, the dude's pale as a ghost. He's, you could see he's just kind of shuffling. Oh my God. And he gets it in, uh, finally on a boga grip and he is like just shaking, man, visibly shaking. And he's so excited. And he's like, man, all these casts, like all this study, all, you know, like everything is encapsulated in this one fish right here that I'm holding. And then he releases it and he goes, let's do it again. Like, like he, it was ready to go again, like empty cast after empty cast, trip after trip without any results. You know, it, it's tough fishing, but dude, it's just fuel to the fire. And it's so awesome, man. So that, I'm glad you touched on that, bro. I have to go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much more to that story, but there's one important thing I missed out is, so that's what kind of started you know, the whole point of this conversation was, was you and I's relationship. Yeah. And that's what, 
that's what started it is that's when we exchanged phone numbers mm-hmm. and we started talking yep. and, you know, I told you that the reason I started a blog was because, you know, I saw yours with the speckled truth and, you know, I had my blog for a little yep. bit and it was more for like beginner fishermen and it wasn't just geared towards trout. It was just beginner fishermen in general. And, um, so when we were talking one night, uh, we were talking about big trout, of course, that's all we <laughs> yeah, ever talked about. Pretty much. And, um, and it was like two and three hour conversations. It yeah. was like we were in freaking middle school and we were little <laughs> girls talking back and forth. But and I, and I think it ignited a little more passion in you too because because uh, you got really excited a lot of those conversations. Oh, dude! So, yeah. But um, I remember we were talking and and you know you didn't know me that well. We had never fished together. Mm-hmm. You know the only way that you had knew me was from um, Facebook from the and, bull, and, and yeah, for sure, and things like that, and. You know, you can kind of tell um, through through things like that, the, the way people say things, whether or not they kind of know what they're doing, like they know what's going on. And you, you trusted me from the way I portrayed myself and, and you said something to me. And, and that's what changed my mindset when fishing for big trout. And, you know, there's all these variables for all kinds of things when it comes to fishing. But you said one thing that stood out to me that stuck in my head and you said, you know, you always call me KJ and you were like, you were like, KJ, if you put in the amount of effort that you put into catching numbers just to catch a big trout, you will catch big trout and you will be successful at it. And nobody had ever like said that to me, you know, because you, when you start first, everybody's different, but a lot of people, when they first start fishing for big trout, they go out and if they don't do good on big trout, they got to do something to satisfy they themselves yep. before they go home. And and they don't want to feel like a wasted trip. And it's understandable, very understandable, especially yep. now since I have a family and and a job and I do all these things on my side and my time is just like, feels like I don't have enough hours in the day. And, and I, I totally get that. But luckily for me, you know, then it was just me and, and me and Courtney were just dating and I could do whatever I wanted. That's why I married her, because I could literally do whatever the hell I wanted. So, um, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, well, why not? Chick lets you go fishing whenever you want. You know, it, it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm like, hey, I'm going fishing. She's just like, OK, you know, she didn't care. So, but um, when you when you start first start fishing for big trout, what you don't realize is you need those trips of nothing, just absolutely nothing, not even a bite. Yep. And it, it just, it humbles your ass. And you're just like, man, like this is a lot harder than I thought. And, and what I did and, and me and you talked about this as well is I, I, I totally changed my mindset. And I was just like, I'm going to be happy if I at least get, a bite yep. or a blow up and i knew it was a big trout and you you have to like you know you tell yourself that yep and you, you think you're convinced and you're not because it happens and then you're just pissed off <laughs> that you didn't land it. and then you go home and then you're mad that you didn't land it mm-hmm. but once you like fully accept that and you're like okay i was in the right place i was at the right time i had the opportunity it, you know luck pay, plays a factor into fishing it really does. You know, sometimes you just get lucky and you're just like, maybe I just didn't have luck on my side that day. You know, maybe I should have gave that bum at the gas station a dollar yeah. or something. You know, maybe I needed some good karma. But when you really 
you accept that and you accept that mindset and, and now I can do it. I can turn it on and off like a light switch. You know, like mm-hmm. if I go fishing with Troy Helwig or Ed Crum or Shane Overstreet and, and some of the other guys I fish with, when we only fish for big trout, you know, that circle of mine is very small because around here, you know, you, yeah. it, it's, it's totally different style of fishing. It's not, it's not like it's going not somewhere and catching a limit of trout somewhere that everybody else catches a limit of trout. If you go somewhere and, and you can consistently catch, you know, five plus pound trout, you know, Jesus, everybody on the coast wants yep. to know where you're going. So, and it ain't a big coast, dude. So you can get dudes from Pascagoula over to, over to Bay St. Louis real quick, you know? Yeah. And it's almost like, it's, it's almost like tournament fishing when you're not tournament fishing. That's, that's pretty (laughs) much what I I relate it to. It's, it's like tournament fishing, except you're not going to win a lot of money. You're just satisfied, you know? And you have to go with that mindset and it, and it sucks, dude. It, It does. I love it, but it sucks because, you know, you get to that certain point in your life and there's probably going to be younger guys listening to this, like in their early twenties, twenties that are just like, you know, these dudes are the old, but <laughs> yeah. you, you, you get kids and you, you get busy and that time just dwindles, man. You got these little windows that you can fish and you're like, okay, am I going to go and just have a good time and drink beers with the boys and just have like relax? Or am I going to go and, and try to get that big fish? Cause mm-hmm. I haven't had one. And when you, when you make that decision, you, you have to stick with it. Yep. You can't, you know, you have to go home empty handed and distraught. <laughs> and next time you go, you, you, you fuel that and it, it all adds up because once you do get that big fish and unfortunately going back to that story, I did not release that five pounder. My mindset was not yep. where it is now. I really wish I would have now, of course, like, you know, I really yep. regret it. But that also feeds into the person I became now. You know, maybe if I would have let that fish go, I wouldn't be so big on conservation as I am now yeah. because of that fish. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. But, you know, that that feeling of catching that fish, all that hard work paying off, and then watching it swim away and watching that tail you know, you know, Mississippi, it's got that, you know, we got some muddy water. It's not, you know, sometimes it's kind of clear, but watching it just kind of disappear in that muddy water, that big old tail just swim off. Dude, that that's, that's a hard feeling to beat. It really is. It is, man. It's indescribable too. And, and it just generates mental toughness in your, you know, presentation and, and your approach to fishing different things and different techniques. It, it just does more than just help you target a big fish. It, it does all these other intangibles that you really just don't realize. And you don't even think about yeah, it until it, you it. do it repetitively. That's when you go, you know what? Like, yeah, I mean, I'm like you, dude, I, I can fish three straight days and not get a bite. But as I'm reflecting on, of course I'll be upset, but on the same token as I'm reflecting and I'm, I'm drawing confidence with every cast because I know through all the study, through all the you know, preparation, all this stuff I feel, and I have confidence in my own abilities to read water, to fish different, you know, techniques and presentations and that, Hey, I'm going to put myself in the best possible situation to catch these big fish. And so it, it just generates all this, all these intangibles that you don't really think about until you actually start fishing those big fish. But anyway, well, dude, I, the, the thing that stands out to me was when I moved from, I wish we had met like two years before we actually 
truly did want to live them because right i mean we are kicking ourselves in the tail right now because we're so far apart and we have so many things to do speckled truth wise and yet we're you know 700 miles away from each other and we try to make it happen we do our best you know all of the guys and but can you imagine if we're actually close together my god (laughs) that'd be amazing but i remember in florida man when i was living there we had obviously had that relationship thus far and i remember you saying you know what uh I don't think I'm going to do Kyle Johnson fishing anymore, man. I really want to help speckle truth. And that, to me, that was, that was a kind of a, to some extent, life-changing moment, especially with regards to speckle truth, because I had, it had been a hobby to that point and it, and it's still a hobby, man, because it's my passion. It's our love. Uh, but it's much more than that now, because at that moment, it was more than me. It was you. And now together, you believe in kind of the message, me just kind of throwing stuff out there. And all of a sudden we started to generate this network and it, and it went from what, like 1500 followers to now we're almost 15,000 on Facebook. That was only yeah. two years ago <laughs> yeah. if, or three years ago. That's not that long ago that you called that. I, I told you, I, dude, I knew, and, and I have to go back just a little bit. So Kyle Johnson fishing was just like my blog, you know, mm-hmm, like yeah. it, it was, that was like 2016, I guess. And, and I started that and I was just kind of like, I don't know, for some reason, I kind of wanted to like come out into the fishing industry and, and I kept talking to people like, what do I need to do? And everybody kept saying, get your name out there, get your name out there, get your name out there. That's literally what everybody told me. So, you know, and, and, in less than a year, you know, I, I got on the cover of Coastal Angler magazine and I started getting in magazines mm-hmm. and then I started writing for magazines yeah. and then I got into photography and I started taking pictures and, and all that Idiot, stuff. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't, I didn't want to guide. I didn't want to be a charter captain. I didn't want to guide. And eventually I was like, why am I doing this? And I was like, this is, it, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. pointless. You know, and it wasn't for, self-satisfaction and and there was a guy i talked to man i can't remember his name i really wish i could and i hope he's not listening because he'll probably be pissed i don't remember his name <laughs> but uh he um he's the one who kind of hooked me up with with coastal angler and it was just all a lot of networking and then one thing he told me he was like well what's your plan and i was like my plan i was like what do you mean and he was like well you know why are you doing all this and i was like i don't know i was like because i kept asking everybody what I need to do. And they say, get your name out there. So that's what I'm doing. And he just laughed really hard. And he was like, well, what the hell are you getting your name out there for? I said, I don't know, man. That's what I was told to do. (laughs) It was just kind of like, I I had no plan and I didn't know why I was doing the things I was doing. And then, you know, I obviously believed in you and I believed in the mission and, and, and the passion and your dad and, and all of that. And, and I was just kind of like, why am I spending all this time promoting myself for no reason? And it, it honestly wasn't for, you know, just to, just to be that guy mm-hmm. that's in a magazine or something. I was just, I wanted to have some sort of career in the, in the fishing industry, yeah. but didn't really know what I wanted to do. And it's it, a lot of, it's about networking and it's about who, you know, and, and do, going down that path, it opened a lot of doors for me that, you know, are helping now with me, yeah. with me guiding, you know, getting on like the, the pro staffs and the sponsorships and, and all that stuff. Hell yeah. That shit's paying off now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it was then when I was just, but fishing you, have just a plan. A you have a plan. Yeah. 
yeah, now now I have an actual plan, but I uh, I remember the conversation when we were talking, and so the reason I said all that was because I kind of figured some things out about Facebook and um, not so much Instagram. I still kind of suck at Instagram. That, that, that thing drives me crazy. You're, we, we grew the speckled truth Instagram up. It blew yeah. up, but mine still kind of sucks. It's at like 2,500 people, you know, and I'm right. just kind of like, damn, we grew the speckled truth. I can't even do my own, but uh, the Facebook, it, it, it was kind of easy and things have changed a lot since, since we started uh, a lot. But um, I remember us talking and, and I was just like, I remember telling you, I was like, dude, we got to get to 10,000. Mm-hmm. Once we get to 10,000, we have a pretty good audience and it's really going to you know, start growing from there. And you were just kind of like, you know, well, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And we just started talking a lot and planning things out and the content. Yep. And that's when we started brainstorming a lot yep. and brought Ed in and brought Keith in. Yep. And, uh, and dude, that was it, it got to ten thousand quick, all organic. We have. I'm going to go ahead and say this say it, on record on the podcast. We did not pay a dime in advertising on Facebook, and I know it's not a crazy number, yep. but now with the way the algorithms are, I'd be hard pressed to see somebody reach ten thousand followers on a business page without paying a dime in, in, in advertising. It's all pure passion driven that's that's all it is and, and and we we figured out how to reach those people and 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 the content is legit yep. and once people started seeing the content and that was something i had to keep telling you it wasn't very fast it started it did eventually start popping mm-hmm. off but for a while there you were just kind of like man what's and i was like dude it's just it's a slow process these people have to yep. see it they have to tell their friends their friends have to see it we can't we never we never claimed to be anything. We, we yeah. never came out and said, oh, we're the authority to big trout. Yeah. You know, we, we never said that. We, we wanted people to read and, and see that, hey, we're the only people that are just dedicated to big trout yep. and, and sharing the passion, conservation, and the knowledge of, of how to catch bigger trout. Yep. And, and we, we let the followers figure that out. That was our strategy that uh, that we came up yep. with. Yep. And that was the conscious decision. That's why it's so hard to explain to people that like they're like, oh, you boost post and you got to do this and that. And we're like, no, no, we're, we're not going to do that. And they're like, why? Because you could grow your population. And we're like, we, we don't want to do that, man. We, we want a like and a share and people to comment because they they feel that stuff as much as we do, right? And yeah. that's that I th- and we talk about this a, a lot, but I want everybody else to know like that is what's long standing about our endeavor is that man, look, we don't pay for anything, we don't endorse anything, we don't really have any of that, right? But what we do do is promote a fishery and a love for that fishery, and. Yeah. The only way people like share and do all that stuff is because they have that same love for that fishery. And dude, that's the stuff that sticks around forever, forever. And Instead of this, Hey, we got to a hundred thousand followers by making these gimmicky videos and this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. You're, you're going to be around for a while, but you're going to go away. And we want yeah. our message to stick around. And that's where dude, I mean, that changed, dude, that changed in that phone call in Florida. 
whether we, I guess maybe we like it or not. It drives us mad, dude, sometimes because this is, this is our second life, man. Or now your third life. Jeez. (laughs) So, well, and so, you know, it's, it's, what sucks, man, is unfortunately the way the Facebook algorithms and, and, and where we are at with speckled truth. And, and I hope our followers understand this and I, and I hope they listen to this is we dude, Chris, we are going to have to start paying for, for advertising because that's what we're going to have to do to grow from here on out. And, and what people need to realize, and I think they do know this, but we've never really said it. We we've never, you know, like I said, we never claim to be anything. Mm-hmm. We never, brag about anything we never you know we 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 try and stay humble and we don't make any money off of the speckled truth like people need to realize that there's zero dollars going into any of our pockets for the speckled truth we do this to do it we do it because we love it that any money all the shirts the hats the promotions all those things we do it goes back into the speckled truth you funded the dirty 30 program out of your own pocket we were getting free pot product from companies and we were paying to ship their product for a program that we came up with and i don't think like i don't uh, you know (laughs) we didn't tell anybody that and and i'm telling them now just because the next couple steps with the speckled truth, we, we have to do some things we, we haven't been doing, but that's because things are changing and we have to keep up with those and we want to grow and we want to share the message, but you know, we're not doing what other people are doing. You see all these ads and all these things on Facebook and it's all this like get rich quick screams and all Mm -hmm. this crap, but we're not making money. We're doing this for the love of speckled trout and big speckled trout in the conservation of speckled trout. And might I add, we're not throwing that down people's throats about nope. conservation. We're, we're, we're just trying to educate them. About, if you want to keep a big trout, you know, Hey, that's cool. You can keep it. We've all done it. Everybody that's involved with speckled truth. So we're not going to sit here and hound somebody and make fun of them or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, some of the pictures we've shared of big trout with those trout were harvested yeah, legally. Absolutely. And, and, and we don't say that and we don't, you know, we don't say that. it's a bad thing and, and we don't not promote it yep. because it was harvested because, you know, we, we've been there. You know, if I catch a big one now, there's no way in hell I'm going to keep it unless for some reason it, it's dead. Like I can't revive it. I'm not going to try and risk killing it, you know, for a picture or, or whatever. But if it if it is actually like legitimately dead, you know, I pull it in, it's dead or whatever. Yes. I'm, I'm going to keep but it. We're, but, but we're celebrating the life of that fish, man. I mean, whether you like it or not, I mean, if a person who's never caught an eight pound fish decides to harvest that fish to mount it, dude, you will not hear Pete for me. Of course I would love to see it released. Of course. Right. I mean, yeah. but on the same token is that fish, it, I mean, looking back, it's like eight or nine years. I mean, it's had a great life. Obviously, we want those genetics in the fishery, but on the same token is that fish has lived a life. It has given a memory to somebody that's going to live forever. And so let them have that moment, man. Let's celebrate the life of that fish and that person. And that's what we do, man. It, it's it's nothing like, oh, you didn't keep it now. You know, we're going to hound your butt for you know, the next 30 minutes and we're going to get people to start commenting hate mailing you and everything else. No, man, like, dude, let's just celebrate this fish and this fishery, man. And that's, that's what we want to do. And, 
the message, you know, getting back to the Dirty 30 program and us funding it, we see the value in knowing more about our fishery. We invested in our fishery with that money by getting the data and understanding that fishery more. Hey everyone, I'd like to take a small break to sincerely thank our podcast sponsors. As you know, we're a brand about sharing the passion and pursuit of trophy speckled trout, as well as our conservation. Fortunately for us, Mirror Lore, Texas Custom Lures, and the original Custom Corky support that same passion, which is evident through the support of this podcast. Simply put, without these brands, none of this will be possible. And we're incredibly appreciative, and we hope you are too. Now, let's get back to the discussion. We went to the Biloxi Boat Show two years ago, right? And I remember kind of we talking about it. Ed, Ed was with us, Keith Morrison, and they'll be on the podcast uh, and they'll talk about it as well. But that first boat show, the, the Biloxi Boat Show, uh, what, two years ago? I don't know what your thoughts were, dude. I'm like, hey, let's get a booth at the Biloxi Boat Show. What were you thinking? <laughs> I mean, I was excited. I was yeah. like, you know, we, we have a good presence here because you lived here yeah. and, you know, I live here and, and I here. obviously promote the hell out of Speckled Truth. And that's, you know, and, and a lot of people knew about you through the bull nettle and it kind of spread. So we have a you know, Speckled Truth has a very big presence here in, in the whole Mississippi Gulf Coast. And I remember when you were like, hey, let's get a booth. And, you know, if you remember correctly, I was like, I was like, hell yeah. Because yeah. going back again, I keep saying this, but going back to earlier. Yeah. Well, um, it, start, you know, yeah. it starts from there, doing, right? Doing, well, it, everything kind of stems together, yeah. you know, because when I was doing the big push for whatever reason I was doing that push, I, I ended up, you know, getting close with companies like Egret Bates and, and Ken Shaman. And it, it wasn't because they allowed me to be close to them is because I, I love eager baits. I love their products. Mm-hmm. I use the hell out of them. And, and Ken Shamont and Jamie, God, Jamie is so awesome. I love Jamie. She's, she's great. Yeah. If you've ever bought a eager baits product, you have probably dealt with Jamie and she is one of a kind. I love that woman. But, um, we, um, you know, I ended up working my first couple booths at shows with Eager Bates. And the first show I worked was with Jamie and it was in Jackson. And it's actually a dealer show. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a pretty big deal. Is it a Ferris Brothers? And um, it's a Ferris Brothers yeah. show in Jackson, Mississippi. And so um, I, I go up there and, and Ken had asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, yeah. And I was kind of nervous. I was like, wouldn't really, didn't really know what to expect. It was my first show. But in my mind, I was just kind of like, okay, this is going to be easy. All I have to do is talk about fishing (laughs) and talk about why I like using these products that I use, which is easy because I actually believe in the product and actually use it. And I know a lot about them. So in my mind, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. So then, you know, I get up there and um, I used, I don't do it that much now, but I used to, I used to fast every once in a Mm -hmm. while. Like I could go like half a day without eating as long as I, I, I stayed busy and I didn't think about it, it, it didn't bother me, right? Yeah. But there's something about just sitting somewhere and talking to people that just completely mentally and physically drains you. It's the weirdest thing ever. And this is how I figured this out was because yeah. of, of, of this incident is, is we're up there and, and we're talking to people and I hadn't eaten anything and I'm drinking water and, and me and Jamie are talking and talking and talking. And, and it was just a lot of people, like yeah. a lot of people. And I, I hadn't really talked to that many people 
at once. You know what I mean? You don't really have that kind of interaction before this, and it's it's very fast paced. You don't have breaks to go take a piss or, or take a sip of water. You kind of start forgetting those things and you're just trying to like do what you're there to do. And you get in that mindset, like when you're working out and you're just thinking about getting to the last rep. But when you're doing this, it's like, there is no fucking last rep. It, it just, it just keeps going and going and going and going. And so like it got to that point and I looked at Jamie and she was like, she was like, you look kind of pale. I was like, I was like, yeah, I just got to go to the bathroom. And I like tried to play it off cool. And it was one of those things where like probably when you're drunk and you think you're like walking straight yeah. and you're stumbling. Like I was thinking in my head, I was like, I probably look fine. And I go in the bathroom, I look at myself and I look like I'm drunk. And I'm like, what the hell? And I throw up because I hadn't <laughs> ate all day. Yeah. And I'm, I, I have like anxiety and I'm like, I'm freaking out. Shaking. And I, I throw yeah. up. And yeah. And I, I just like. I, I kind of left Jamie stranded there. I, I was like, I was like, I gotta get something to eat. So I ran out and got something to eat. I didn't leave the show. I just ran yep. to a spot, got something to eat in the show and, and went back to the booth. But that like kind of set a benchmark for me was like, okay, this is what working a booth is like, like at a, at a popular event right. is it's, it's a lot more than you think it is. And I remember, telling you and ed that a lot before yeah. this show i was like guys this is like it's, it's a pain in the ass and i was like and and that was my first show and i've done a lot of them since that one before the Biloxi boat show mm -hmm. we did with a speckled truth so i had my own little thing i was like we gotta have beer there yep. we gotta have food. food we gotta have a little bit of whiskey you know <laughs> i was like we gotta, we gotta we gotta have these things like we have to have them and like Y'all, like, we, we had that plan of, of having that tank and catching those big trout oh and putting them in there, those live trout in that tank. And, I and like, yes, that was on my priority list, but, like, that was the only thing on y'all's yep. list. And in my mind, I'm thinking back to the first time I did a show and I, like, freaked out and threw up. And I'm like, I got to have beer. I got <laughs> yeah. food. Like, I got have to be comfortable you know yeah. and and, and that, those kind of things they kind of went to the back burner but we ended up having all those things and we had a good time but i remember when when um when you came up with the idea and and i was just like my first thought was like there's no way there's no way we could like logistically do Pull that, that like it's a great idea yep. but there's no way and then you were just kind of like it's gonna we're gonna happen. make it happen like, and it's no it's not an option and i was just like okay yeah. well screw it so let's try so for this could go bad right? <laughs> so for those who don't know right the first biloxi boat show we did uh we had a 300 gallon tank with which is massive. which is huge and we didn't realize um yeah and we had three live trout in there and that was our like dude i was so fixated on getting a live tank there and getting three tr like trophy trout, like legitimate trophy trout in there and, and putting them there and have them alive in the booth. And because if we're going to do a boat show, the first one that we're going to do, and we're a, a trophy trout company, let's say, that promotes conservation, dadgummit, we're going to have big trout and they're going to be alive. And dude, we, yeah. we set the precedent, right? I have never seen that done before or since, and we've now done it twice in two straight years. Uh, obviously, last year was a lot easier, which we'll talk about here in a sec. But, but dude, that three hundred gallon tank—the logistics of that thing was—it was such a headache. <laughs> God, it was a headache. Like, 
<laughs> you came you came up with the idea, and so we start. You know, I start talking with the research lab yeah. and Angelos. He's at uh, Southern Miss Gulf Coast Research Lab, and great dude. I love Angelos. He's he's the manager of the hatchery yeah. there, and which is I yeah. talked with him, and, and you know him mm-hmm. too, and and we ran this by him, and you know, of course, he was like, "You're going to have to have a really big tank if you want you know, three fish." And so Keith, you know, I love Keith, and I have. I have all these videos that I've yet to show you all these, but I'm about to, uh, I'm about to get it fired back up. But um, while we were filming these, like Keith was being Keith and Keith is like that guy in a funny video that just pops up and just says something funny and just disappears. And so we're, we're, and, and he did that when we were filming, when, when he came on my boat and me, Ed and him caught that five pounder, Ed caught the five pounder that, um, yeah. that we contributed to that tank. You caught the other two. <laughs> And uh, we were, I remember all of us talking and we're all like, what are we going to do? How are we going to get this tank? And then here comes Keith. He just popped up. Oh, I, I can get a 300 gallon tank. And we were like, uh, okay, uh, where are you going to get that from? He's like, don't worry about it, man. I got it. And then he just shows up to Bolo, no. Mississippi with a 300 gallon tank in the back of his Tacoma. And then we, 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 and we, we tried to plan this out the best we could, but he brings it to the back of the loading dock and we're oh like, how the hell are we going to get this thing out of your truck? And we're all just going, I don't know, you know? And then, you know, we get off with this guy on the forklift. was like, hey, you need me to get that? And we were like, yeah, man, could you get this for us? And, you know, we, we get that. Oh, and man. we had the uh, we had the DMR put the water. I mean, that's a lot. That's the thing that, you know, people came there and we saw, they saw that. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. But they didn't understand everything that went Pre- to that. Yeah. So that 300 gallons, like, so think about that. Think about a, a tank that's holding 300 gallons and how much 300 gallons weighs. So you just can't go get a plastic table from Walmart yeah. and and put on that. You can't just buy a table that's going to work. So, you know, I told y'all, I was like, okay, I'm going to handle the table. Yeah. So I got a good friend of mine, uh, Justin Lucas. He works for NASA. He's an engineer. Kind of, you know, that's kind of like, I want a table. little than that probably should have. But the dude's a genius. And and, and it was it, literally all it was was I called him. And, uh, you know, we talk every once in a while and, uh, and I was just like, Hey man, like, this is what's going on. And he was like, and he was just like, Oh, cool. Uh, what's the dimensions of the tank? So I, I gave him the dimensions of the tank. I told him how much, you know, it held, how much water we we're going to have in it. He's like, Oh yeah, sure, man. No problem. And literally like we get off the phone and he's and he uh, he tells me before we got the phone, he was like, I'm going to draw it up in CAD and I'll email it to you. And I was like, okay. So I was like, Oh, this guy, you know, it'll probably be a couple yeah. of days, you know, before I get it. So we hang up and like not even five minutes later, I get an email and I'm like, there's no way, like no way. And I opened the email and he, and he, and it was just like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It was just like, yeah. it was this perfect CAD drawing. It had instructions, it had a materials <laughs> list. It was just like, this is crazy. I was like, that was way easier than I thought it was going to be. So we went and got the materials yeah. and, and me and my dad and my buddy, Stephen Irvy, we, we threw it all together and, and it was, you know, it, it was, it was serious. I still had the table. We used it last year. Right now. We, yeah. And so we get that table and we, we put it together and we stain it. And dude, I have to look at the specs on that email. Oh. That table can hold an insane amount of weight. It's, it's something stupid. It's like 3000 pounds or something. And, and, and it was all like built up from Justin. And, but people don't realize that that's what went into having a fish tank and having fish. That's just, at, at the- that's just the table, right? 
we had yeah, we had just- to get the water right from DMR, like you had already mentioned. Not only that, we had to get live sand. We had to get pumps. We had to then, yep. by the grace of God, Keith again, that dude out of randomly nowhere knows two people that just manage the tanks at the Bass Pro Shops there in, in uh, Spanish Fort, Alabama. He's like, oh, yeah, my friends, they manage the, the big tanks. And so they're like, oh, and so they come over and take care of the fish for the, the, the three days free of charge. And then all of a sudden we actually go and fish three straight days and catch three five pounders to throw in there. Dude, it was like everything just straight up lined up for that show. It was like, oh, here's an obstacle. Got it. Yeah, no problem. And like just kept throwing things in there. But dude, we made it happen. I remember Mary Bland when I first called her uh, and she's the show coordinator and, and the show manager. And she's like, OK, what's the name of your business? And I'm like, uh, Speckled Truth. And she's like, okay, uh, what do you, what will you be selling? And I'm like, uh, we're not selling anything. <laughs> and she's like, uh, what do you want to booth for? So you're guy? paying $600 to sell nothing. And I'm like, yeah, we're this online fishing community. And, and she's like, okay, whatever, $600. Yo, it by 15 October. And so we get there, Ronnie's like, Hey, what's up guys? Da-da-da. Obviously Ronnie Daniels. And, uh, when we put the tank up there, that was the thing I think that stood out to me the most is the most memorable thing. You had John Folterman, you had Ronnie Daniels, you had all these other show vendors that were there. And so you put the table there, poop, we get that puppy set up. We got two ice chests, 220 quart ice chests, uh, full of five pound trout, right? And water. We got DMR there with their their tank. And then all of a sudden we, we forklift off this 300 gallon tank and put it on this table. And... The, the people that are managing the tank, I can't remember, I think her name was Carrie, if I'm not mistaken. She starts pumping in the water and all of a sudden, man, the, the pains on, the, on the, the actual tank start to kind of bow out a little bit. And everybody in the show set up just stops. Remember that? And dude, everybody oh, kind yeah. of semi-circles around this thing. And Mary Bland's standing right next to me. Ronnie's got his phone out. He's like videotaping this. And he looks over to me, he goes, brother, he goes, if you're going to single-handedly ruin the whole boat show, he's like, I may as well get it on film. And I'm like, oh my God. And Mary's like, that tank's going to hold, right? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, oh, Jesus God. And so by the grace of God, man, that damn thing held. We got on the news. We did all sorts of other stuff. And three days later, man, we had the most popular booth at the show. Uh, we had a, a crowd, man, just kind of all around us. And it was just so awesome, dude, that people came out to just see us and talk to us and say, bro, like, I really appreciate all you all you doing. And then not only that, the people I didn't know about us now learning and with their kids and and, and the parents and the, and the children coming up to the glass and taking a picture with these live trout. When two booths down, you know, you got ice chest full of dead trout. And so it's just this lasting presence of how beautiful this fish is, let alone five pounders, um, that just resonates, man, and just leaves this long-standing thing. And so that was an amazing show, bro. And it, it I, without a doubt, couldn't have happened with, without all of you guys. But thanks for believing in me, man. Oh, my God. That was crazy, dude. But And just to put something in for, to perspective – to you know some of the audience listening to this and you know some of you you know we, we have our biggest following is, is obviously in texas you yeah. know texas yeah. is it's a, a huge big yeah. crowd 
and and you might not think you know oh you know three five pound trout that that that's not that impressive but in in Biloxi um you know if you could have been there and and seen these people so if you ever look at a fish in a tank, you know, you look from these different angles, they look way smaller until you get right up to it. So you got all these people in Biloxi and, and a five pound trout's a really good yeah, trout here. Absolutely. Like we have a good fishery. We have lots of really solid fish. You know, that's a little bit of a difference between Mississippi and Louisiana. Louisiana has way more fish, way better fishery. I'll go ahead and admit it. It's a way better fishery, but and I've fished both. Mississippi has more consistent, they're like thick, you know, they're, they're a lot bigger trout, but they're not, you know, they're not Texas size trout, you know, yeah. but a, a five pound trout is a good trout here. And I can't even remember how many conversations I had with, with guys that were, you know, they would walk by and, and I know how it is, you know, when, when you, you fish yourself and you know, you've caught a bunch of good trout and, and I'm standing there, you know, towards the aisle and these guys would walk up and I would, you know, introduce myself and talk to them, tell them about speckled trees. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. And they'd be looking at the tank and be like, yeah, we got three five-pound trout in the tank. And, That's not, those aren't five-pounders. You know, that was everybody's first impression. I'd be like, oh, sir, well, why don't you walk around here to the back and get a little bit of a closer look? And they get and they look and you could tell them dudes never seen a five-pound trout. Yeah. And and then you're just kind of like, yeah, dude, that's three five pounders, and and they would they look at it, and then they'd be looking and pulling out their phones, and being like, dude, that's awesome! Like, I've never seen a trout that big. I'm like, wow, well, you know, you just said it wasn't a five pound <laughs> trout, you know, I didn't do that, yeah. but in my head, I kind of was. I was, I was laughing in my head, but yeah, uh, but in perspective, man, a a big deal for here, and especially for us to just pull that out of our ass, so to mm-hmm. say. You know, I hadn't fished that much before that. I drove in from Florida. Uh, you just drove in from Florida, and so you took your boat, and you went on a different side of the, the world, I, I call it, in Mississippi, and I went to my spots, and and luckily, my last spot produced a good one, which, which Ed Crum caught, mm-hmm. but, you know, just to kind of do that on oh, a whim, yep. it was a really hard thing. It's, it's like a tournament, yeah. you know, except that we didn't have as much time as a no. tournament. We had, like a night and and, and like, half like a quarter of a day yeah. you know like we had we had the night bite and the morning bite and that was yeah. it that's all we had to do that and when we got it done like i don't know man it took me a couple of days after the boat show and you know recovering from that and then like sit back and be like holy crap like we did yeah. that like we we actually we pulled, it pulled off. that off <laughs> Like, and it, it was crazy. It was a pretty, yeah. it was a pretty cool thing. That was pretty awesome. But again, I mean, people just didn't realize the sheer size of that tank. I mean, from front to back was like plus two feet, you know? So, I mean, those fish, they kind of stuck around to the back on the bottom and just kind of, they kind of stayed in that group of three. And until you got close to that tank and then kind of peered around the corner, that's when you really got a real sh- understanding of how, you know, really kind of big these fish were, you know? And so, um, last year we, we did have the live trout. Um, Keith Morrison joined us here or joined me here in Texas. And we ended up catching, we had a great morning, man. We were going to transport them in from Texas because again, we wanted to have big trout. Uh, you just had, you guys, I think had terrible weather and we actually had a little weather window. And so we're going to transport them in, but GCRL Gulf coast research lab, they were supplying the tank, the water, the, the tank support and everything else. And they just weren't very comfortable 
bringing in, you know, Texas trout, which we were comfortable. I was comfortable with. I know you guys had some hesitation because the last thing I want to do is obviously kill those fish, but we felt like we had a pretty good live well system and everything else, but there was just too much risk there. And, and I think that was, that was definitely the right decision for sure, but it was still a draw. I mean, what we had, you know, we had a much better booth space. And then not only that, we had a much clearer tank. It was smaller. It was a little bit more intimate and, uh, yeah, people could still kind of see it, but they were still what nineteen to twenty-one inch trout. You know, there was two or three of them in there. But yeah. so, just to be clear, you know, the 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 whole like Texas thing, the the reason why we didn't do that, there was like there was a couple of deciding factors, but the main thing was that you know Angelos, you know, the manager of the hatchery, the dude, they grew a sixteen-pound trout in yeah. that hatchery. The guy knows a lot about <laughs> yeah. trout and. His main concern was, you know, taking a, a fish from from Texas and the hyper saline, and and bringing it here mm-hmm. and releasing it. There there was like no chance. I mean, it, it could survive. You know, it could adapt and it could survive. But they didn't. You know, he obviously didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, with us at and and that was really a, a big sure. uh, deciding factor. But it was great though because we got. It, it gave us a reason to talk more about the research lab and, and the more I've gotten into to fishing and trout fishing, the more I, I get into the science of it. And, and I really love that as much as fishing itself. Yeah. And the fact that we got to promote the research lab and, and everything they do, I think they really go unnoticed. And I, I know there's, there's research labs in you know, every Gulf state and, and, and they um, do a lot more than people yeah. think, you know, it, it, you got to, we got to tell people, Hey, there's a hatchery where they grow yes, trout and release them every year. And, and, and a lot of people that have lived there here, their whole lives and fished here their whole lives. Didn't even know that, you know, so the, it was cool. It, def, it definitely added to the, and let me add, I don't know, let I, me I, add I, though too. And it was one extra element there is that these aren't just, yeah. I mean, they're fish that they're growing in the hatchery. But the brood stock that they're cl- that you guys are, or let me phrase that, the, the Gulf Coast Research Lab is collecting is actually from Mississippi waters, right? And actually encourages anglers to participate and bring fish to the hatchery for that brood stock, right? So it, it got fishermen involved in their fishery, which is a much better story than bringing in three, you know, two big trout from Texas and then potentially having them die is that dude in your backyard, 20 minutes down the road, you have a hatchery that really needs your help. Not that they can't do it, but dude, the more help that they can get the better. And so if you can support and go out fishing, just like you normally would, but instead of filleting them, dude, throw them in an ice chest, bring them to the hatchery, let them, they're looking for male trout. They're looking for females, right? And they're, that's only going to better your resource. And so, you know, recently y'all had it's same top, similar topic, but recently they just released a lot of those fish, right? You were part of that, uh, that event, right? Yeah. So, um, every, every year, um, before I got on board with CCA Mississippi, um, Ernie Zimmerman, I mean, he's really, a, uh, he really, Push CCA Mississippi big in, in the Bay chapter over there. And um, they started a, a live catch tournament over there. And when me and Troy Helwig like first became friends, we, we met through tournament fishing. So um, it's a little side story, but it's pretty funny. So 
I knew who Troy was through Facebook and stuff, but I I never met mm-hmm. him. So I knew him and I knew his boat. And so uh, this one year we're we're fishing, you know, all the trout tournaments that we fish. And I keep seeing them like in the same spots that I'm yeah. going, you know, and I'm just kind of like, I just kind of eventually at this, at this one tournament, the blind tiger tournament, uh, me and him are both finishing out the tournament in the, in the same spot. And so um, me and Troy, we had a lot of similarities that I didn't know at the time, but we liked to party. So we're at the weigh in and Troy's feeling good and I'm feeling good. And I was just kind of like, all right, I gotta go talk to this guy, you know? And so I go up to him and it's kind of awkward, you know, but I was just like, Hey man, are you Troy Helwig? And you know, instead of just being like, yeah, what do you want or something? He's like, yeah, what's up, man? You know, he's just like super <laughs> yeah. friendly. And, uh, and, and we started talking and I was just like, so, you know, we were kind of in the same spot for a while. He goes, yeah, yeah, it sucked. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it did. But uh, that's how me and, me and Troy became friends, but one of the tournaments that me and him love love to fish uh, the past couple of years after that was that live catch mm-hmm. tournament. And so uh, he fishes it one year, and uh, I, I couldn't go. Um, work had me hemmed up; I couldn't go. So Troy, they it, what it is 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 you go out and you catch live trout. You bring them in live, and the uh, the research lab is there with this trailer that um sport trail mm-hmm. made anybody who's had a sport trail trailer just phenomenal trailers are made here in bay st louis and they made this trailer for the research lab and it's this huge tank and they uh they put the trout in there and they transport them back to the lab and those are used for brute stock so troy goes out and uh it was funny because you know of course when you can't go your buddy's just gonna kill yeah, it of course and so troy uh I couldn't go and, and, you know, he's giving me a play by play, of course. And, and he's just like, just hit the water. And then, uh, I get a picture and it's, it's him holding a trout with top water. He's like third trout on top water. And I'm like, no way, you know? And I'm just like, he's just messing with me. And then, you know, not even like, you know, 20, 30 minutes later, he sends me a picture and, and he's like, live wells full. I'm done. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> and so, he's, you know, it was open for like less than an hour and he's, you know, he had this skeeter, this, this little 22 foot skeeter. And it was just like 22 or 24. I can't remember, but it, it was just deathly fast. And Troy just, it, it, if, if there was a chance it would hit 70, he's doing it. And so I, I just pictured him cause I knew where he was fishing. Cause we had talked about it uh, before the tournament. And I just pictured him just skimming across the bay at like 70 miles an hour, just laughing. <laughs> and he gets back, you know, they had just started the tournament. He's already back with a limit of live trout. So Mississippi limits 15, you know, 15 inches. So he, uh, he just smashed it that morning. But um, it was a tournament that me and him loved fishing. And it, it's not like it's crazy prizes you know it's cool prizes don't get me wrong but the way it's formatted is is not to be competitive it's just you're you're there to give back to the fishery so like every fish you turn in you get a raffle ticket and then at the end they draw raffle tickets so obviously the more raffle tickets yeah you can get you have in the bucket better chance you have of winning things and so that was something that we did to help the um, the research lab, and the research lab has some really really good trout fishermen that work there. Yeah. Angelos being one of them, he he started that project. That's a long story, yeah. but 
and I just learned this from him. It, it made me respect him even more than I do. But um, that project pretty much, you know, got off the ground from him. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really crazy, awesome story. But yeah. uh, I'm not going to get deep but, into that. But, but they just had a – They I just saw – I think you were involved with it, you know, being part of CCA and stuff. But And I thought I saw some videos and, and some press coverage. But they actually ended up releasing a bunch of fingerlings back into the fishery. Yeah, so that that was <clears throat> our brew stock that we had turned in. We did we did two live catch tournaments that year, and then also we have um, you know anglers, you know CCA members and and not CCA members that got involved with the lab, you know through us at the um, at the boat show. You know we had that sign up sheet. And um, they were turning, and Sam Davis being one of them, you know, he would go out and if he caught a couple keepers, he would just drop them off at the lab in Davis Bayou. And um, so those trout were from, they were, the, those, the brute stock were the ones who created yeah. those trout that we released. Awesome. So we released, uh, it was like 135,000 um, a couple, what was that? Yeah, last it was like week last week, two like, weeks ago. It's amazing. And I think that's what a, and hopefully, again, we can help with that, right? With our Speckled Truth booth this year is just getting the word out about how much the Gulf Coast Research Lab is giving back to the community and the trout fishery. And, you know, it, it fits just straight in line with kind of our mission and our message is just basically take what you need and release the rest, right? Take care of a resource, conserve it, and do what you can. Give back, right? That's, you know, my dad is a great example of that. And we're getting ready to to obviously uh, have his podcast. Right. And so, but as a guy who's given back to his fishery, that's given him so much. And so I think as either, whether you're young or old in his fishery, um, hopefully you can reflect by maybe this podcast of just how you can potentially give back to your fishery, man. I mean, think about all the great times and the fillets and the fish fries that you've had, but not only that, the memories you've had by catching a big fish or, having a certain person on the boat that maybe is no longer there. And that's just encouraging that man and getting people back into those programs that give back to something that we all love that can be there for a long, long time, as opposed to just being so short-sighted and just going to catch and keep whatever the heck we catch that, you know, and I think we just lose sight of that. So, but, uh, dude, we're, we're bumping. You know, go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Something, something cool about that mm-hmm. program is, um, so like, you know, some guys, they go out and, and even when they're fishing for numbers, I've seen this a lot and I, and I love it. So some guys will, will turn their live well on and, you know, the first handful of trout they catch that are keepers, you know, if they only catch one or they only catch five and they, they don't feel like, you know, five is worth cleaning or, or two are worth cleaning and they release them. Even though they were going out there intentionally, you know, looking for a limit, like I said, there's nothing wrong with yep. that. But the cool thing about this program is like, say you go out there and do that. Like, you know, you go out and, and you only caught, you know, a handful of fish. Well, if those fish are male and there's two ways to tell if they're a male and there's the, the first way is very obvious. It's going to grunt. Only the males are going to grunt. The second way which I'm not going to do and probably nobody's going to do, but you pretty much got to jack it off to see if it ejaculates. And I am not going to do that. And it was hilarious hearing Ellen tell us that Ellen is a, uh, she works the hatchery and oh, she's yeah, great. She's awesome. And uh, 
she was telling me about that. And it was funny because she was being dead serious. You know, every dude is perverted. And so she's sitting there talking to me and a couple of guys about it. She's like, yeah, so you know, tell it to male, you know, you grab it right here and you start, you know, pump it right here. And we're all just like dying laughing, but it's, it's, you know, it's scientific and she's being like dead serious. And then realizes like what she's saying she's like okay none of y'all are gonna do that and she puts the trout back in the tank <laughs> we're just like no ellen none of us are gonna jack off a trout to see if it's a male <laughs> if it grunts it's a male if it doesn't oh grunt God. it's not a male oh that's <laughs> but, oh but it, it, it's cool because if you get involved in this program yeah. and if anybody's interested yeah, we'll, we'll link, link some, some stuff yeah. i guess and um, you can get involved with the research lab and they, they really need males more than anything. It's not hard to go out there and, and get the females, but they, they need the males more than anything. So say you do go out and you only catch like, you know, two trout and they're both males and they're both keeper males, which a 15 inch trout, you know, that's, yeah, that's, a, stud, that's yep. a bull, you know, so you, um, you turn those in, you know, not only do you get that self-satisfaction, but it wasn't a wasted trip. Mm-hmm. You know, you just contributed to thousands of trout that are going to be released. And some, yeah, so. something Ellen had mentioned, which I had no idea, but it was it. it's one male can service 20 females. And so, yeah, dude. And, and so I asked her right at the last one, I'm like, hey, Ellen, like what, what's the prefer, like what do y'all prefer to have in the hatchery, male to female ratio? And she's like, we really prefer one to one. And so the fact that they're at one to 20 shows that they need our help. Right. And so, yeah, we, we definitely need to, to link something down there and get people more involved and just kind of continue to bolster not only what Gulf Coast Research Lab is doing in Mississippi, but really hopefully throughout the course of this podcasting venture, you know, we can start talking more, more about, you know, other programs that are across other states, you know, from Georgia to North Carolina or whatever it is and, and get people more involved in, and kind of shed some awareness on that type of stuff. But dude, we, we are close to time. And um, so obviously this is, this is the second episode and I kind of pulled it out of left field with my pops and he was taking a little, but it, the idea is that, right. I want you to kind of think on your feet to some extent. And these is quick hitter questions that kind of close out the show. That way it kind of gives people a little bit more, uh, insight to kind of you. So I had asked these kind of quick hitter questions. And so the first one I got is what's your favorite soft plastic? Five inch wedge tail from eager baits. Any particular color? Um, Ken's going to, me and Ken have talked a lot. Ken Shimon, yeah. the owner, we talked a lot about the, um, the five inch mm-hmm. wedge tail and uh, it is just, dude, it is just such an awesome bait. And so they're going to, he's going to make some new mm-hmm. colors. So it's pretty much like a salt and pepper. Yeah. It's a it's a black and, and silver and it's flashy. And it's just, dude, there's just something about that bait. I, oh, you yeah. know, I have so much confidence in that. And and, and it's because, you know, we're, we're talking about big trout. And, and I know that I throw that five-inch wedge tail rigged weedless and some flats or – and it's so versatile. And that's the other thing that people don't realize about that bait is you rig it weedless – it allows you to fish it in areas you normally couldn't present a very big profile, slow sinking bait. You have to really let that marinate. So when you think about that, I'm talking rocks, rebar, structure. You are able to present a very big profile, very lifelike, you know, just really good bait that 
those fish probably haven't seen much of because anybody who tried to throw anything else with treble hooks and bear hooks hanging out, it just gets caught and they yeah. lose it. Yeah. So, I love I've that. I've seen it in action, bro. It really you is. were a, a master. Are you the OG of that technique? hundred percent. And uh, without a doubt, man, I've seen it work, you know, fishing side by side with you and you just flat out get it done, man, with it. And I, honestly, I can't wait to get you back over here to Texas and that way we can fish this winter um, with you fishing that technique because I know you're going to throw it and I'll be standing right next to you probably throwing it as well, uh, but also trying various other techniques to just try to dial in that bite. But And you are just dynamite with that thing. And I figured you were going to say that. I did. All right. Uh, favorite topwater? Oh, you already know. You answer it. Well, I'd say mirror lure heat dog, yeah. The E-Dog, dude. I have so much faith. And they, you know, I, I, I got, me and you talked about this a while back. I got my, my tool shed in the backyard. It's got all my tackle in it. And uh, I got a bunch of lures that I need to replace the hooks and split mm-hmm. and clean them up. And I've been talking about doing a live video. And because I distinctly remember when I retired those and what I was catching and when it was. And they're all hanging on a pool noodle. It's a big pool noodle and they're all hooked to it. And it's my like, I need to change these hooks, but they've been there for years. I got you. <laughs> I've just kind of bought them and replaced them. But that he dog, man, if I see one anywhere, I, even if I see one in somebody else's tackle box, I'm stealing <laughs> it. So if you got a he dog and it's in your tackle box, I'm stealing it. If we went fishing, and you're missing a he dog. I took it. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's funny, man. Uh, all right. So, do you believe in sullener or no? <laughs> of course I do. All right. 100%. Let me ask you this question: Were you always a believer in sullener? No, your dad made me a believer. Okay. Um, when me when we all went down to uh, Port Mansfield and we fished with Mike McBride, um, and I got to touch on something I brought up earlier about me slow chugging that he dog um so you know obviously i knew who mike mcbride was and dude's just a a trout big trout genius and i'm so thankful for that trip and y'all invited me because that i learned a lot on that trip and he probably doesn't realize how much he told me because (laughs) what he considers probably common knowledge for big trout was like life-changing for me but um all the talks that we had while fishing um, we were talking about, I was throwing my he dog and he was, uh, and we were sitting there and, and I was throwing it and it was towards the end of the trip. And he was just like, Oh yeah, man, that's a, that's a great bait. He was like, um, I love just slow chugging it. You know, it's, it just, it, it just works different when you slow mm-hmm. chug it like that. And like I had the biggest smile on my face because like, that's how I figured out how to work it for me to catch yeah. big trout and to hear him say that and like solidify that as like it's it's true it works it wasn't just one of those weird quirks that you think works uh it just it really gave me a lot more faith in in that bait but uh anyways on the ride home uh me and your dad we drove we drove from i I picked him up at his house and we drove from there all the way to port mansfield how long of a drive was that that's about like 12 hours yeah, and I, I hate long drives, but <laughs> yeah. your dad, your dad's awesome. I love your dad, and and um, it was it was great. I, I can't stand long drives, but I didn't mind it with him. We had a lot of really good conversations, and being in the car with somebody like that for that amount of time, 
you can pretty much get anything you want out of. Not that your dad won't give you anything you want out of, but it was just it was it was a really cool experience. But anyways, on the way back, uh, me and him, you know, we get to talking more about trout fishing, obviously, and and we start talking about the solar tables and and the majors and the minors. And I'd paid a little bit of attention to it. You have told me about it before this, but for some reason, it just kind of went in one ear and out the other. And so <clears throat> this is crazy. And this is 100% a true story. So the, the story I talked about earlier about, you know, I went out there for like two weeks straight. And, you know, when I caught my first five pound trout and, you know, I didn't understand, you know, what made that day mm-hmm. different. And, and I was looking at the moon but I wasn't looking at so lunar because I didn't know much about it. So your dad was talking to me and he was just like, so if you go on tidesforfishing.com, you can go back and you can look at days and you can look and see what the salooners were that day. So I was just like, he was like, I bet you, and you're, you know, yeah. your dad, he's looking at me and he's pointing at me. He's like, I bet you, if you go back, and you go back on your Facebook and you look at all those days you posted those big trout and you know about what time you caught them, it's going to be during a Solunar. And I was like, no <laughs> way. I was like, no, there's no way. Dude, I go back and I look on my Facebook and on that day, the major coincide. Co- it was it was right after, it, it coincided with sunrise, mm-hmm. but when I started getting those bites, it was, it was during yep. the major. You know what I mean? So it, it was... It coincided with sunrise, but that's why it was so such a crazy bite for me because when it coincides with sunrise yep. or sunset, those are, those are crazy. I don't know when this is airing, but Friday, the majors coincide with sunrise and sunset on Friday. So I'm, I'm going <laughs> on sunrise and sunset yeah. on Friday and looking for big trout. But um, that whole ride home, dude, I just like I was sitting there. And I was going through my Facebook and looking at the big trout I had caught. And then I'm going back on tides for fishing and I'm looking at it and it was dead on. Like, no way. Literally. Yeah. Dude, it, it was, it was creepy. Like I, I couldn't believe it. Like it was dead on because one, one trout that I caught is like a 25 and a half inch. I didn't weigh it, but it was a 25 and a half inch. It was probably over five pounds. It was a nice trout. I caught it at one thirty in the afternoon in July on the south side of Cat Island. And, and that and it was on top water in, in three right. foot of water. And I was just like, that's crazy. Like why did I catch this fish here? And I and I go back, what do you yep. know? During the major, right in the middle of the it, major. And and it was like that for all the big fish that I had caught. And it was just it made me a yeah. believer. So now if I'm going to target big trout uh, you, you damn right. I'm gonna look, and I'm gonna look, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fish it. Which it doesn't work, you know, a hundred percent time. You have to be in the right spot, but it enhances your chances very yep. tremendously. Well, you're talking about an animal, and we're trying to target that with something completely artificial <laughs> in their environment. And if you think about it, you. You're not going to be 100% right, but what you're trying to do is like going to Vegas, man. You're just increasing the odds and putting the chips in your favor so you can make educated decisions on when to go with the throw and all this other stuff. And it boggles my brain that people just don't believe in Sullener that, man, it it's a data point. 
use the damn data point to make that decision because I guarantee, and like you said, I mean, geez, we're definitely seeing some correlation with dirty 30 and trophy trout citation with regards to majors, minors, and everything else in cylinder. And so, holy. And that was one of the reasons we yep. started the dirty 30 program is there is no, you know, there's all this data on trout, but there's, there's nobody's compiled the data that we're yeah. piling, and compiling the, because, you know, they, they, why else would you do it other than you just want to know, you know, and, and I will challenge anybody that's listening to this because now with Facebook, you know, you do kind of have a log. If, if you're one of those guys that likes to post when you catch a big fish, if, if you can remember that day and you can get close to the time that you think you caught it, go on tides4fishing.com. That's the number four tides4fishing.com. Go back to that date. And then you look at that date and you scroll down to the bottom and you look at the majors and the minors. And I'm willing to bet you that a lot of those big trout that you caught, if not all of them, Pretty are close. during one of those. So, and, and when your dad said that to me, I, you know, I was just like crazy old Cajun man. You know? <laughs> like, what but you, I mean, I kind of thought that, but you know, he, he's a phenomenal trout fisherman. So I was like, what if he is right? You know, and I start looking and he was dead on every big trout. And I'm not talking about two and three pounders, you know, just really nice yeah. trout, you know, five pounder more. You you most likely caught that on a solar because that's what crazy. All right. Last question, and we'll let you go. A very important question. I don't know. I'm having fun now. I can do this for another hour. <laughs> well, hey man, we'll grab a beer afterwards and some whiskey and uh we'll just keep talking, bro. But uh last important right. question. Hanes or Fruit of a Loom? Oh, I'm a yeah? Hanes man. 100%. Oh, that's hilarious, yeah. bro. Dude, that's yeah. funny, man. Well, hey, uh, sincerely, thanks, man, for, for everything, for being my friend, for being such a, a phenomenal uh, fisherman. And, yeah, again, a friend, man, father. And just, yeah, just this is awesome to kind of go forward with you and, and how many people we're now reaching and impacting and, and – and really changing the culture, I think, to some extent, right? And that's the inspiring part about this this whole thing, man. So thanks, really, man, from the bottom of my heart, dude, for one, not only being on the podcast, but secondly, just being a part of Speckled Truth. Uh, I cannot thank you enough, dude. Thanks thanks, thanks for letting me be a part yeah, of buddy. it, man. You kind of let just some guy you barely knew <laughs> tell you how to do things, <laughs> and they surprisingly worked for some reason, but – we're not even nowhere near we where, where we want to be, we got you know, and, and that's things are going to change a lot and, and they're going to hopefully get better. Hopefully the next couple of crazy ideas we have, you know, really boost this thing up to something where, where we really want it to be, you know, and, and we, we, we have that potential and, and I hope it, I hope people see it and they know that this is, it's a genuine thing and, and, and if you've been around long enough, you're starting to realize that there's not that many genuine things nowadays. So I I really just, I appreciate, I appreciate people that, you know, respect the message and and they support us. It's it's crazy, you know, going around now and I'd say eight out of 10 times I go to a boat launch, which I don't go to many boat launches anymore because I keep my boat in the water. But before that, when I was launching my boat a lot in, in very various places all over the coast, 
after that first boat show, there are so many speckled truth hats <laughs> yeah. around here. That's and awesome, like, man. And it's cool. And, and I don't like, and what's the, the coolest thing about it is, you know, me, Ed and Keith, we, it's not that we don't want people to know that we're involved with speckled truth because it, it, it is you, man. It, it You, you are what makes the speckled truth. And we're just helping you, you know, get your message out the right way. And it's awesome that when I, me being as involved as involved as I am in speckled truth, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of trying to make sure that your message is getting out a certain way. And people have no idea of that, even, even when they're from around here. And even if they know who I am, they just think I'm like a supporter, you know, and, and I go up to them and I'm like, Hey man, you know, nice hat. And if they know yeah, me, from social media or, or whatever, you know, we, we have a couple conversations, but it's awesome when they don't even know who I am and we, we talk and I'm just like, and if I'm not wearing a speckled truth hat, I'm like, Hey man, where'd you, where'd you get that? What's that about? And when they tell me and the things that they tell me is exactly what we're trying to get across. It's an awesome feeling, dude. It really is. And I'm just kind of like, Oh, cool, man. That's so cool. About <laughs> yeah. <one."> you know, <laughs> and I walk away and I'm just like, yes. Like, hell yeah, it's working, you know, but it's humbling, man. It is beyond humbling. Like, uh, uh, you know, seeing, um, (laughs) seeing that, that truck going down the highway with a dirty 30 sticker and a speckled truth on I-37 coming from Corpus Christi to San Antonio. I mean, it's just like, holy smokes, man. You know, and I told my wife that the first time that that happens, I'm pulling the dude over and I'm taking a picture and I did. And he thought it was crazy, but on the same token is, we, we talked for a while and he appreciates and supports kind of what we're doing. And, and that's what it is, dude. It's people like, yeah, we're, we're kind of leading this thing to some extent, but really it's the people that don't really maybe realize, but it's the community they're a part of and they're helping build that message. And so everyone listening, you are a part of that message and you're, and you're, you're building that brand. So thank you. Um, Anyway, man, it, time's getting long. I apologize, man, for keeping you from your family for so long, brother. But thank you so much uh, for being on, bud. Thank you, man. I enjoyed it. Hey, everyone. I just want to say thanks again for joining us here at the Speckled Truth Podcast. Regardless of fishery and where you're joining us from, we really appreciate your followership and just tuning in tonight to listen to the stories uh, that make their pursuit of trophy trout so special. And so, again, none of this happens without the support of our sponsors from Mirror Lore, Texas Custom Lures, and the original Custom Corky. Without your support, none of this is, a, is possible. So thanks again to them. We hope to see you next time here at the Speckle Truth Podcast. And we always want to leave you with this one tidbit. Always remember to take what you need and release the rest. God bless. Yeah.